the ITAM Review podcast. My name's Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review. Today, we revisit one of the very first topics from our podcast back in December 2013 around Oracle licensing. Uh, the ITAM Review is hosting a free Oracle licensing seminar on the 21st November in London. And in the run up to the event, uh, we've invited some specialists onto the call to discuss um, the hot topics around Oracle licensing and audits and uh, what the trends are in the market in terms of Oracle license management. So if I could, uh, if I'm going to introduce our um, uh, participants today. Um, first, if I could come to the team at ITAMS, could you um, introduce yourself to the, to the listeners? Hi, Martin. It's yeah. Neela Mitchell-Bradshaw and um, Monica State and Madalena from speaking from ITAMS. Um, I'm the marketing manager here and Monica is the senior licensing analyst and Madalena is the pre-sales consultant. Okay, and could you, for the uh, benefit of our listeners, could you provide a very, very quick summary in terms of what ITAMS do for people that wouldn't have heard of you? Yes, of course. Um, we are a managed services provider um, advisory practice um, specialising in IT and software asset management. Uh, we don't um, actually sell any tools, but what we do do is provide services around IT asset management and software license management. We have a number of services um, that we have launched on the market, predominantly the enterprise license management service. Um, asset lifecycle um, management service and uh, we now have a specialist service uh, which is Oracle services for enterprise license management. Perfect, thank you. And uh, where can we find you if we want to learn out more? Our website is um, www.itamsolutions.com. Perfect, thank you. And then, Dan, if I could come to you from Livingston, uh, could you give a quick introduction about you, uh, what, what Livingston does for people that are not familiar, and uh, where we can find out more? Yeah, sure. So, my name is Daniel Ward. I'm uh, one of the directors at Livingston, but I also have uh, another hat where I, I run a lot of our Tier 1 vendor audits for our larger corporate clients. Um, Livingston itself primarily specialises in large enterprise managed services and audit defence uh, across all major vendors. And uh, our website address is www.livingston-tech.com. Great, thank you. And Donny, what, what, could you tell us about iQuate? Sure. So let me, let me introduce myself. My name is Donny Hamlet. I'm with the uh, product marketing at iQuate. Um, what iQuate focuses on is automated inventory uh, and discovery for servers and data centers. Uh, we specialize in very large and complex environments, uh, and we have a we provide a great deal of visibility into the virtualization layers, uh, clustering, particularly as it relates to technologies like Oracle and Microsoft SQL Server. Maxime, please provide an introduction to yourselves. Uh, well, I, I'm Maxime Pavlak, and I'm vice president at EasyTrust. Uh, EasyTrust is um, software which is focused on Oracle licenses, control, and optimization. So uh, we, you can find the product and the, and the company on easytrust.com. 
Um, and it's a very specific tool uh, regarding Oracle licenses, so very focused on Oracle. Perfect, thank you. And finally, um, Matthias. Yes, hello, my name is Matthias Knops. I'm um, product manager and head of um, pre-sales at Aspera. Um, Aspera provides a tool called SmartTrack that specializes in uh, software asset management, so um, gathering data from various data sources and uh, providing a software balance in the end. Um, if you want to learn more about that, just visit aspera.com. So uh, we recorded a uh, podcast around Oracle licensing back in December 2013, which, which proved very popular. And I'd like to revisit some of the topics that we discussed there and look at the, um, what's the, the hot topics around Oracle licensing and Oracle audits and also look at the general trends in the market. So if I could ask each of you, first of all, um, just about your, what you think about the levels of activity alike in the Oracle space, um, the, the perhaps the activity from the LMS team in terms of auditing, and just the uh, the interest in Oracle. So if if I could start with you, Matthias, what's your view on uh, the Oracle market at the moment? Yeah. So judging by uh, our first approach is to prospect customers, um, it's absolutely safe to say that Oracle is one of the um, or the most interesting and most painful manufacturers, maybe. Uh, in action at the customer sites, and uh, since Oracle itself has, um, yeah, or it is noticeable that uh, they, uh, we can see an increase um, in, in in audits um, worldwide. So therefore, uh, the, the I would say the imminent threat of, of being audited as a as a customer is always um, is always something that we have to deal with. And uh, at the same time, um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on the perspective, um, the Oracle uh, metrics are uh, the rather um, complex ones so therefore I think it is um, it is absolutely safe to say that uh, that Oracle plays a major role in software asset management and therefore it's a very important topic to, to focus on when uh, inquiries land on your desk is it literally people have received the letter or, or what point do you get involved well from an iQuay perspective we uh, we typically get involved prior to the actual audit so typically it's when they've received a letter letting them know Oracle is uh, interested in coming in and looking at their environment or so there's some concerns about their environment. So we typically get involved, I'd say, uh, about a, a month to two months before a licensing event when it's driven by an audit. Okay, and Daniel, you mentioned uh, uh, being involved in vendor audits. Is, is that included in Oracle? What, what's your participation there? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, Oracle is one of the the primary vendors. We we see all the activity across our managed service estates primarily. Um, you know, probably similar to a lot of the guys here. We we also pick up a lot of our managed services initially through a uh, an engagement with a specific vendor, and and we've seen over the last few months a lot of Oracle activity as well. And I think um, you know a few of the biggest changes we've seen over the last year, maybe a bit longer, is the expanding focus that Oracle has through their product set. So if we went back two years, maybe three years, probably 80%, 90% of the, the LMS uh, team's time on the audit was spent on, on database as a product, whereas now we're, we're sort of seeing it flip over more into some of the other product sets as well, especially WebLogic, Hyperion, etc. Um, so yeah, we're certainly, like everyone else, seeing the activity ramp up. Uh, 
but equally we're seeing in the LMS team and Oracle's approach, clearly they're trying to look and exploit other areas of, of, of revenue now. Yeah, and and we'll come on to specific managed services later, but you mentioned that you might be delivering a service, and I'm sure this is the same for iTams as well, you'll be delivering a service uh, for the client and then you, as part of your engagement you'll handle that audit for them? How does that work? Yeah, exactly that. So, so, so it depends where they are in the life. So if you look across, I think we've got, I think something like 37 managed services at the moment. In the last year, we've seen 12 of them audited by Oracle. Um, so, so typically, we'll, we'll take the learnings from that into the into the other estates as well, and just make sure, under the assumption that at some point in the next 12 to 24 months, they'll get a letter through. Then, then really, it's preparatory work, etc. And and along the same lines as how you run an audit just without having to give the data to Oracle at that particular point. Yeah, and presumably you, um, although you're helping the client, you can't absorb their risk for them, but you're almost, I'm, I'm guessing you're helping them with audit defense, is that is that the way you position it? Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, we, we, what we'll do is we'll underwrite the accuracy of our handling of the data based on us being given the right data and us applying the correct rules to it. But obviously, we can't. We don't know what we don't know. So, if they've got a massive DMZ with 400 Oracle databases that they forgot to tell us about, um, then um, then that's not really our problem. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it, it's really about quantifying the risk for them and just giving them an informed position to handle the conversations with Oracle. And also, you know, the biggest part of that really is 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 you know, who watches the watchman and, and keeps an eye on what Oracle are doing with the data, make sure it's being processed correctly. I think, as with anything, we've seen Oracle ramp up their activity. Obviously, they've got large teams in Romania now processing the data, and we've seen a massive decline in the quality of the stuff coming out of LMS as they've got huge uh, strain on the resources with the number of audits they're trying to run and the spread of resources that they're focusing on it. Okay. Thank you. And uh, the team at ITAMS, uh, great to hear your views as well. Uh, trends in the market and... Yeah, I just... Hello, it's Madeline. I just wanted to make a comment on that. Um, I'm uh, working as a pre-sales consultant for ITAMS right now, but before that I had been working for LMS in the Romanian team for five and a half years. <laughs> and I can tell you that the accuracy of our data has been of tremendous quality back then. So yes, so we're very, we were very focused on getting revenue from the customers, and I suppose what um, what managed services companies' uh, biggest strength is here is that they provide an independent view of things, whereas Oracle will try to rip all revenue out of customers, an independent party uh, between Oracle and uh, customers is highly valued for for this uh, objective view of things. Okay, so you and the house. You you're working at ITAMS, <laughs> but uh, you were formerly at Oracle. Were you actually in the LMS team? What what were you doing? I was actually in the Romanian LMS team that handles data is the, the operational team behind LMS. They're doing all the operational stuff <clears throat> whereas field consultants are using data uh, provided from the Romanian team to to finish the license engagement. So I kind of shifted uh, 
the perspective right now from an oracle focused perspective to to a third party perspective Ga trying to help customers right yeah. now defend against game game uh, gamekeeper to poacher or whatever the phrase is <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and your your perspective. I'd be interested in your perspective, having made that transition from one side to the other. What 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 have you learned uh, going from one side to the other? Oracle was, and I suppose it is, focused on getting the maximum revenue they can get out of customers. And um, one way uh, of doing that is because customers are not aware of a lot of licensing implications. I think there's a lot of complexity in Oracle licensing that customers are not aware of. Just to give an example, take VMware. Oracle is not recognizing VMware. They're considering it soft partitioning. Loads of customers don't know that. So their cost goes all top of the roof. Uh, being uh, on the other side of the barrier, uh, with an uh, independent managed services provider, uh, you can help raise awareness of all complexities and um, kind of educate customers not only to defend against all of this, but also to have a proactive approach to Oracle licensing as a way of uh, as a way of living a healthy licensing life, I, I suppose. And this way, you, you're not only defending against the immediate um, um, immediate threat of an audit, but you're also uh, building up internal capabilities and um, and teams inside the companies. So, and finally, to you, uh, Maxime, any any views on the, the industry and uh, volume of activity and how the market's going? Well, yes, um, in terms of volume of activities, uh, LMS, I, I heard LMS are doing this year about 5,000 audits um, So, uh, in the world, so it's, it's something that it's, it is raising um, and um, it, it remains, from my point of view, it remains mostly on database, even if it's getting more on other products, it remains something like 70 to 80 percent on, on databases, uh, but um, I, I think from the from the market perspective, uh, most people now get get really uh, in in a position where they don't wait for the uh, audit letter in order to to try to to prevent and to try to control and optimize their licenses. And uh, for from the from Easy Trust uh, point of view, we do many customers. Uh, not having audits, uh, or maybe they didn't have any uh, recently, but they just want uh, to, uh, to to put their Oracle licenses under control. Sure. And where where are you just of interest? Where are you getting the the five thousand number from? What's what's that from? Well, uh, e e Easy Trust, like um, uh, some other tools, is part of the third-party tool vendors program. It means we've been verified uh, by Oracle uh, as a tool which provides uh, correct data uh, for database and options. And uh, in that program we can have access to a few information about that. Right, okay. Can I also add something? Sure. Monica, here. Okay. Um, so I'm also uh, an ex-LMS employee, so we can say that the LMS team in Romania is not that big anymore. 
in regards to resources because I have also joined the ITAM together with some other colleagues from LMS. And um, I saw a shift in LMS's activity from the time I started there and what it happens now. In the past, they had a mission and vision which was saying educate, equip, and enable. And that meant that they were trying to make the customers um, do the assessments themselves by sharing best practices, providing tools, and facilitating access to information. And lately, the trends have changed to three categories of services that LMS is providing now. So they are trying to keep up with the, with the market. And they are focusing on uh, review services, advisory services, and managed services. Uh, my role there was in the review services area. So I can tell you that they were really focused on contract entitlements and um, verification of deployment. OK, so um, we've done some research with the uh, Campaign for Clear Licensing over the last few months. And one of the key findings from that, uh, which will be published shortly, is um, that many customers have underestimated the resource required to manage Oracle. So it's quite a large overhead. It's quite a, a difficult vendor to manage. Um, and cu customers haven't allocated enough budget towards the management of that large risk. So I kind of like the example whereby if you had bought a million pounds worth of stock to put in a factory, um, common sense that says you would allocate some resource for inventory and security of that stock. But uh, this, the same logic doesn't flow with software and, and an Oracle. I just just thinking of when you're speaking to your customers around Oracle, what, what's the sort of advice that you give them in terms of uh, the resource required to, to manage this and your experiences of customers that have perhaps not put enough effort into this and, and the consequences of that? I can uh, cover this uh, first if you want, Monica again. Um, so from my experience is that um, it really depends uh, on the size of the organization and also on the pressure they start feeling when Oracle is talking about a potential audit. So at that moment in time, they feel the need of dedicated resources to help them understand and analyze the deployment and licensing. And I'm saying understand and not manage because it takes a really long while to, to focus on all the product stack that Oracle has and understand every licensing rule. Uh, so the answer is no, they are not to allocated, uh, allocating enough resources. Just to build on what Monica said, Madalena here, um, we're, we're kind of advise, what our advice to customer is, is what Oracle is also um, stressing in their software investment guide, have processes and procedures into place and um, on top of that, our advice is have a software asset management tool that manages all your licenses. Because if you if you take a look at the uh, Oracle Software Investment Guide, there is a model built there, and um, they say the lower the degree of processes and procedures you have in into place with regards to software asset management, the higher. Uh, your risk of uncompliance will be. So this is actually what Oracle is admitting itself, customers. Okay. And Dan, can I ask the same of you, um, just in terms of uh, conversations with customers in terms of resource required? I, I mean, I guess 
uh, when they're calling on a managed service provider, they recognise they have an issue, or, or do you have to go through that process with them? Um, yeah, it does vary. So sometimes you you will come across an estate where somebody thinks they've got their arms round um, particular vendors, perhaps Oracle, and and that they're leveraging enough resource against it to to understand what's going on. Um, and then often it's only in an audit situation that that it's fully understood that maybe there were some gaps. I think the issue that customers have, of course, is you know, unless you make somebody solely responsible for this, you're always going to be slightly on the back foot because if you're dealing with the LMS team or, or indeed anyone else in Oracle, you know, their, their job is Oracle 100% of the time. They know what they're looking for. You know, they know what questions to ask to, to, to potentially sort of you know, open the bonnet on some of the issues the company might have. Whereas in a client organization, you might have an infrastructure lead who, you know, he's responsible for the Oracle relationship, but that's, you know, 1% of his time that he can allocate against that. So how is he going to be an expert in it? I mean, we always find it quite interesting. If you think about, you know, one CPU of Oracle database, this price is, what, circa 40,000 pounds or something like that. So if you've got an estate of any size, you know you 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 save one CPU. You 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 basically got a full-time employee. You know you save a few CPUs and you've got somebody on a very nice salary indeed. So, you know we we are always saying to clients that it is an area worth investing in because the unit cost of the, of any issues is, 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 when it comes to Oracle is is, is so very high. Um, but I think in terms of resources against it, the biggest problem we see is that the client organizations do not have, they don't give the responsibility to somebody. So the main problem comes where SAM don't have direct responsibility for Oracle compliance. They might have responsibility for saying, for notifying somebody of a problem, but they don't have the responsibility for actually owning the compliance. And similarly, an infrastructure head often doesn't own that. So really, there's no kind of home for it. So no one actually just picks up the baton and says, this is mine, I'll deal with it, I'll learn about it, and I'll solve it, whether that's bringing in a third party or whether that's using internal resources. So I think the biggest sort of thing that we have to offer our clients in that space or, or you know, in terms of advice is just saying that we, we need to be very clear on the governance of your major vendors like Oracle. Because if you don't have that governance, if you don't have that responsibility and to an extent liability set internally, then you're always going to struggle getting your arms around it. Yeah. And I guess my, my, yeah. my experience says that uh, if they do have temporary responsibility to fix things, um, they might address it and then the next fire comes along and it gets pushed back to wherever. Yeah, and they might. We we have plenty of situations where people have asked for FTEs for Oracle or um, other vendors, uh, and have been pushed back because that problem's now gone for two years if they've just been audited. So, you know, what what's not present just falls to the back of the back of the uh, mind. This is Donnie. I just wanted to echo what Dan is saying, if that's okay. Sure, go for it. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely what we've seen when we've engaged with companies, and we typically focus on the large enterprise customers, um, folks that tend to have more, you know, more than 500 Oracle database instances. There, there tends to be a disconnect between the operations, 
operations is more focused on uh, installing, configuring, keeping it up and running because we're talking about very important assets to the business. Um, and they're, they're focused on running it. Whereas they're, the software and asset management teams, they are not really tied into what operations is doing. Um, and then they have really no tooling that even gives them visibility into what their Oracle deployment positions look like. So essentially we see uh, these disempowered SAM groups that are forced to manage these large enterprises with spreadsheets. Um, and it's, it's very challenging and I, and I have to go back to what Dan says where you typically don't see one person in that organization who's accountable. So a uh, big disconnect between the, the SAM team and the operational teams. Yeah. I think the um, disconnect is in the LMS team, uh, the engineering of the product in the first place, because the product is very much uh, without limits. Just hand it to the engineering, uh, to the uh, developers to do whatever they want with, without restriction, and it has no, it yeah. has no bearing back on the the actual business impact or the cost. So there's a bit of disconnect there as well. Okay, and Maxine, could I come to you in terms of your views on that, in terms of uh, internal resource? What we see from all time, we sell products, so uh, customers who choose uh, EasyTrust, they decided to allow certain uh, resources or financial resources on it. Uh, what I see more and more is that they, they want to, to, to use managed services with, with the tool because they, they understand more and more that it's, it's not on their purpose to, to be fully uh, aware of expertise around Oracle licenses, and uh, well, it, it's changing because uh, a few years ago, I saw many customers who wanted to uh, get the expertise inside the, their uh, uh, IT IT teams, and uh, they wanted to train people in order to become experts about Oracle licenses. Uh, but I think that uh, after a few LMS uh, audits and uh, they realized that uh, it was so complex that you cannot train someone in in two days and uh, uh, we have people around the table being experts around Oracle licenses and they know that uh, to train someone around Oracle licenses being an expert is something like uh, a few a few months it needs to practice uh, several customers with different architectures etc so we, we have seen that customers uh, buying tools, because I only can talk about customers buying tools, uh, they want to, re to rely on managed services and sometimes not even to, to, to do it themselves. I mean, uh, they can use managed services who will do some uh, inventories uh, once a year or every six months and provide the results and give the optimizations, etc. This is one of the uh, moving the market, I can see from from my perspective. Sure, and we'll we'll come on to that in a second. Um, but just finally, uh, Matthias, uh, uh, in terms of your conversations with uh, customers at Espera, could you just uh, shine a lot on the the conversations you have in terms of resources and allocating the appropriate resource to managing vendors like Oracle? Yeah, which resources? <laughs> That's usually the question. The problem here is uh, we are talking about a generic approach, so we are not dedicated Oracle, uh, or we don't provide a dedicated Oracle solution, but Oracle is always a part. 
So um, we are approaching um, a customer, a prospect customer, and um, my one of my first questions is usually um, how big, how many people are working in your in your SEM team, and usually it's one, two, three people. That's it. And sometimes, and that is unfortunately not not very uh, not very seldom, um, they say yes, we, we just inherited this uh, this task on top of what we are doing um, in our normal jobs. So this is this is kind of an, an add-on task, and uh, I think we can all agree that uh, SAM, especially if uh, we're talking about complex manufacturers like uh, Oracle, IBM, Microsoft, and all its uh, its details, um, requires a full-time. Um, a full-time attendance or full-time attention um, of people and uh, usually you need to have dedicated people that are familiar with all the details that really can cost a lot of money and therefore uh, we still have the problem that the awareness in the market is um, is not quite at the level that we hope it will be one day and um, speaking of um, there is a requirement for a SEM tool and if we are talking to a customer that means that the customer is um, in general ready to implement some kind of solution, and uh, the management of that, co uh, that the customer is usually under the impression that uh, by implementing a tool, every problem is, uh, is solved. So uh, we have inventory, we have a SEM tool, um, we have our procurement people uh, lined up and, uh, and and brief them how they should deliver their information, and then we should be good to go, and we are protected from any kind of audit which is um, entirely not uh, the case. So um, resources is, and for my, for my perspective, for the foreseeable future, will always be a problem. And I think uh, just the, the, the question of, um, yeah, as I said before, as a, of uh, awareness is not, uh, it's not yet uh, where it has to be. And just uh, picking up where uh, what the, uh, some of the other guys said uh, already is that um, Nobody from the technical department uh, really being responsible for running those applications um, asks the um, license manager what makes sense where to install something. So if you are lucky, you get informed that something has changed in your environment as a license manager, but you will not be consulted up front. And that is also uh, kind of a mismatch of information that we should yeah, keep working, um, yeah, keep on working. So I've, I've spoken to a few uh, customers in the past who, who have a, this expectation that uh, you buy a SAM tool and it's almost like an appliance, like a firewall, and you um, you stick a network cable in the back and that's that's SAM done. Whereas, uh, as you as you say, nothing could be further from the truth. It's, it's probably the the best analogy is an inbox. It needs constant attention and constant working. So, so yeah, I think there's definitely an education process there that needs to happen. Absolutely. So moving on to um, just the managed services area. So we did some research earlier in the year um, that looked into managed services. It's definitely a growth area. And I think there's there's two two things that came out of our research. One is that it's not a cost issue. People aren't necessarily choosing managed services because it's cheaper. Um, it's more of a resource issue because they can't source the correct people to do or, or hold on to the right people uh, to um, to look after to, to look at you know to address what they're looking to do, um, and there's also an economies of scale issue because, as you know, you've mentioned uh, several people have mentioned already, one person might be looking after Oracle and then the next week they need to look after something else. Whereas you by managed services you could have one specialist Oracle uh, guru that only looks at Oracle and might serve 50 customers, and that's a much better use of his or her time. And it's a lot more efficient and and um, um, massively scalable as well. So I'm just I, I see a massive trend in the market towards this space. I just 
love to know your feelings about why people are perhaps looking at this and what sort of services are being delivered. If I could come to you, perhaps Donny first, um, what, what's your views on this? <laughs> so I think the I think the managed service is an interesting space, and I, I think you hit it right on the head. Um, in the market initially, you saw a lot of people, and this is just a technology market wide. Uh, you'd see a lot of people looking at, at outsourcing. A lot of folk companies realized that the outsourcing didn't work, and what they began to realize work was taking particular segments of their environment and outsourcing it or running it underneath a managed service model. So it's a model that's definitely getting a lot of momentum. Um, it's been moving since around 2011 based upon some of the, the, the research that I've done. Uh, and there, there are a lot of large and small players in it. Uh, so you see people in that space like Accenture's and the IBM's and the Infosys. So definitely something where customers are looking. Um, on the other on the other side of that services, you have people, for example, like Rimini Street, um, who, after winning that court case against uh, Oracle, now have the capability to do support. So, uh, managed services is definitely something that companies are looking at. Um, it makes it easier for them. It makes the the cost more controllable for them. And there are a lot of different providers who are out there who are providing with different types of uh, resources and support for their environments, especially as it relates to Oracle. Okay, and, and Maxime, if I could come to you, you mentioned the fact that um, you're obviously selling your solution, but customers are asking for managed services, wrappers around that as well. Could you perhaps go into exactly what that looks like? Do people say, right, I want this governance report on Oracle, my compliance position, and then you go and do it? How, what does that look like? Well, yeah, um First of all, I think the market of managed services around uh, Oracle licenses is is really growing at, as uh, um, as was as was said, and uh, we see many many different uh, quality of services because it's not very mature for now, and people the customers now I think they need more visibility on the contracts they sign with managed services companies around that because it's 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 a um, it's a matter of hundreds thousands of euros, and uh, so what happens uh, and what we what we what we try to provide uh, with Easy Trust and our partners in managed services uh, is to try to guarantee uh, that customers will do savings using our tool. I mean, um, at the end of the day, what customers look like uh, look to is is to be compliant, and they also want to. Uh, control and optimize their Oracle license costs. So, uh, services, managed services, is not only providing the inventories. Uh, it's now moving to an area where it means uh, helping customers to optimize their architectures and optimize really their costs. So, we, we are moving in, in project licenses of our tool uh, with our partners providing managed services and the tool is not a license they pay, it's, they will only pay 10% of the savings they will do. And I think that this will be a trend in the market in the, in the next months and years uh, because customers, they, they just need results. But is, is that model, is that really sustainable? Because after two or three years of cutting into costs, surely you hit, a, you hit, hit the bone at some point. Well, uh, I think it's completely sustainable because uh, it's only for the first inventory we do, 
And after that, customers say have seen the value of the tool, they have seen the value of the managed services uh, which has been provided because they have seen that they had, for example, a huge compliance problem, they've seen that they had a huge saving using the tool and uh, they only can do it once uh, with the tool and uh, they, they, they will just, after that, buy the tool for a perpetual license. Okay. So we have something like 90% conversion in, in the customers who did that. So okay, and I think it's really just and Matthias, uh, in terms of Aspera, I know that you mentioned that obviously you're not just Oracle; you do lots of other things in there. But uh, in terms of the managed service environment, what, what's your uh, approach in terms of Oracle? Because it's obviously significantly more difficult to manage something like Oracle than is WinZip. So, so what, what's the approach there? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 quite true. So um, we are actually trying to provide uh, the services. So far, that we can, that, uh, that the customer can uh, create the compliance position with SmartTrack. So, all related services like optimization and so on um, are usually passed to to third-party partners because we know that there are so many different uh, details to the contract, and contracts have to be analyzed, and there's a lot of knowledge necessary to understand the whole Oracle licensing thing. So what, I, what we provide for, uh, for additional services in, in, in SmartTrack is basically just a, a very shallow approach between comparing costs of, for example, if we're talking about the Oracle databases between the license costs for processor or named user plus licensing. So that is basically it. Everything else, all the uh, contract-related and, uh, and deeper optimization features or optimization issues uh, are usually outcast. To, to customers, and we have exactly the same um, uh, view on, on on the whole thing as you indicated um, in the beginning, that uh, a customer is willing to pay money for somebody who knows um, their stuff and who is focused on uh, Oracle, but sometimes it is not necessary to have such a person like uh, full-time in, in his own stuff, so uh, a staff. So it is actually uh, all about understanding the infrastructure of a customer and providing the knowledge of, of that, uh, what is installed, where, and how is it looking. And uh, we, we are also un, um, or revealing things like one Oracle instance on a VMware um, cluster and so on, things which would uh, cause incredible amounts of, cost, of money um, or costs, but uh, that's basically it. And uh, as I said before, um, we pass on uh, IBM-specific, Oracle-specific, SAP-specific consultants always to those companies um, that are yeah dedicated to to these topics. Okay, thank you. And and Dan, uh, could could I could you give your view? I'd, I'd be interested to know uh, your view on obviously your yourself and items are key in the managed services area. I'd love to know your view on the market there and uh, what shape of the services people are looking for. So, I mean, first thing to say is, in terms of managed services, it's definitely growing and growing quickly. So if we look at the RFPs that we see over the last 12 months, almost all of them have asked for either a full outsourced managed service or a level of hybrid model uh, in terms of a managed service linking to a, what's usually a fairly small specialist internal team. So, so and, and if you go back two, three years, um, a managed service might be the solution to an RFP, but the RFP wasn't specifically structured to ask for a managed service. That's certainly something that 
I think is becoming much more prevalent. Um, I mean, why are we in, in our customer base? Why are we sort of seeing that? I think um, you know, it all comes back to de-risk or a perceived perception that the client is de-risking themselves by bringing somebody else in to share the problem. So we talked earlier about the fact we don't take liability. Um, I think to a degree customers often don't realize that when they're going out to the market to have these conversations. They sort of feel to a level that if you're giving the identification of the risk to somebody then somehow they're, they're sort of taking that on. Obviously that becomes clear through the process to them that that's not the case. But they do get a safety blanket. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about how resource intensive this is and, and ITAMs and the rest of the people on the call will, will, will I'm sure say the same in that you know, the SAM market, the, the, one of the biggest issues is, is the small number of good specialist resources. You know, we always struggle to recruit the right number of good resources. You know, it's a massive growing area. We, we see the same with a lot of our competitors and, um, and I think you know, what that means is that if a company does want to address this on its own, it's going to really struggle to find the right resources to address it on its own. And then where does it stop? You know, if they get audited by Oracle, do they get an Oracle specialist, then SAP come knocking, then Microsoft, then EMC, VMware. So, so at the end of the day, I think, you know, the same as, as, as you're seeing with a lot of um, company-wide initiatives where they're going to small multi-source sort of arrangements, a lot of our clients have, have gone from a large outsource to a, to a multi-source where they're getting a niche specialist vendors to fulfill the requirements they've got. And I think the growth in specific SAM managed services is, is a symptom of that as well. Um, and then on the audit defense side, you know, that's just growing and growing and growing because I, there is a perception with CTOs, with people where the letter ends up that they need somebody that's an expert in this. Typically, most of us in this industry will guarantee to save a level of money or you know, some level of cost neutrality. So we're making it a bit of a no-brainer for our clients in, in offering these services. So why wouldn't they go down that, 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 that sort of route? And, and the principal benefits there, of course, are that if an internal resource manages one Oracle review every 24 months versus somebody that's managing potentially five, ten at any given time. So they're seeing the same problems with data, they're seeing the same things being raised by Oracle, they're seeing the same they're seeing different concessions across the various ones that they're doing. So the level of knowledge and um, an expertise they can bring to the client is obviously sort of very high and, and, and of a great deal of value. Okay, thank you. So um, just to finish off, guys, uh, we we hear that Larry is um, stepping down from the helm from Oracle, but not totally leaving the company. Um, I'm just um, interested in your views about the future for Oracle and uh, how things might change. If I could come to you first, Maxime, what do you uh, what do you see happening in the future? Well. Um... I, I was in Oracle Open World this year, and uh, yes, everybody basically were talking about cloud. So um, people in Oracle they say that uh, the Oracle uh, value is based on how many clouds they sell and how many exadata they sell. All the rest is uh, is not valuable for the 
for the for the, for the company now. So it's it's really changing, uh, and of course the license model in the cloud is completely different. Uh, Oracle announced this year that they will uh, provide licenses based on a one-hour basis uh, rental. So it's something uh, really new, but it's it is just a first step and. We can understand that Oracle, they don't want to change completely the model from uh, from what they have today to uh, the cloud uh, model, otherwise they will lose all the revenues they have. So they, they will do progressive steps. And um, I think for us uh, around licenses, it's, it's quite challenging because uh, if we project to a near future where everybody has licenses on the cloud and cloud vendors providing licenses. It's a case for Amazon. It's also the case for Oracle now uh, in some business models they have. Not all the business models, but some. Uh, they will know there will be no more compliance problems uh, when everybody will have change to the to this kind of uh, rental model. So um, but we are not there, and there will be a, a transition where, where uh, I think this kind of cloud licenses will bring even more complexity uh, because of Amazon bring your own licenses models because or Oracle will do the same, and uh, we will have to provide services and tools able to control, uh, I mean, internal traditional IT and cloud version of. Uh, Oracle products. So it's something very interesting and uh, the models will change and uh, our tool, our solution, our services will change uh, but well, trying to be ready for that. It's interesting what you say about preserving revenue because you could argue that Microsoft has been through that same transition. You know, they, they could have just swept the board clean and start again but in order to preserve all that perpetual revenue swap into Office 365 for example they need to do it gradually, and it's. I think if if Oracle are going to do the same, that means a whole world of pain. For, for you know things 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 will get worse before they get better. I think. Well, yes, probably, but they, they try to do first steps. They they said I, I don't know if you saw that they, they said that you could uh, change your uh, on-premise licenses to cloud licenses for some products, like like Siebel or. HCM or eBusiness Suite, and uh, it, it was not uh, really uh, seen by the market as a huge announce, but I think it is. And uh, um, yes, but for for now, for the database licenses, they didn't do that, and I don't think they will do it very soon uh, because yes, they want to preserve the market they have. Okay, um, uh, Matthias Spera, any thoughts on Oracle Futures? Well, um, hmm. I don't have that much insight into into the strategy of Oracle. Uh, the only thing that I can say from from experience is that the whole cloud thing is a, I would say, a kind of a chimera that drags a lot of uh, urban legends with it. And uh, I don't think that uh, that we will um, see. Um, and yeah, that the situation is getting easier, as you said before. I think it's. I I, I also. Uh, have a opinion that it will get uh, much messier before uh, we maybe have uh, one day some some straighter approach to that. But that's all that I can. Yeah, nothing more to add. I would say. Okay. 
any any other views, guys, on uh, Oracle Futures before we wrap things up? Yeah, oh yeah, I this is Donnie from Equate. I definitely had a few of okay. them. Um, so one thing I'd like to point out to everybody, uh, to all the the, the co-panelists, is that I think Oracle is one of the most powerful technology companies in the world. They're one of the few companies that offers uh, a complete stack that goes from the uh, business application layer down to the hardware. And I think the fact that uh, Mark Hurd is now at the helm, who's formerly from HP, is going to mean that, that, that Oracle is going to be doing a lot more uh, with hardware. So we're, I, I think that's really going to jump up. I think it, we're seeing that in the marketplace, what's happening with Exadata and how they're trying to push it there. The other thing that I think that was important, I saw this at Oracle Open World, um, as did uh, as did the, the speaker who spoke earlier, is that Oracle is not going to transition to the cloud. Based upon everything I heard at Oracle Open World, the products I saw demo, they have made that transition. Um, if you look at who the second largest software as a service provider is in the world by uh, by business revenues, it's Oracle. They're number two. They're number two behind Salesforce, and that's kind of it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Because if you go back a few years, you remember Larry Ellison saying, you know, the the cloud the cloud wasn't going to do anything. You know, it wasn't it wasn't going to be a major change, but Oracle is kind of retrenched and refocused, uh, and and now they're making a huge move to the cloud, and they're very Based upon what I saw at Oracle, Oracle Open World, they're very serious about that move. I think in a lot of, in the past, there's been a lot of, you know, talk about we're we're there, we're going to do it, or we're thinking, but there there's really a high level of commitment uh, from Oracle to move to the cloud. Now, what does that mean for customers? Um, I think what that means to customers from a licensing perspective is that if if Oracle is complex now, and we all know and we all agreed on this call that it really is. I want you to think of what the complexity of Oracle will be once you add the cloud into it, right? I, I, uh, that, that level of, complexi of complexity, I would imagine, is only going to increase. Uh, and I would be interested to see, particularly on the, the, what type of metrics that Oracle begins to introduce uh, as it relates to how they're going to um, uh, charge for licensing moving forward. Yeah, and I think, um, I echo all of that, I guess, in terms of, of Larry moving on, first of all, I'd say that I don't see the DNA of the organization changing at all. I think the, the, the succession plan has is, is, is nailed that. Um, the people coming in broadly have the same sort of approach from, from, from what I know, um, what I've heard. So I think they'll stay aggressive. I think they are really building on and utilizing the fact that you know, a lot of companies use their stuff throughout the organization. They're very well embedded. Uh, it's business critical applications that are generally running on it because it's a very solid application. It does what it needs to do. In terms of their approach, yep, hardware is obviously going to be a focus. And then through the application layer, they'll grow through acquisition. And I think, yeah, the, their SaaS revenue is obviously very large now, primarily through acquisition. And, and they'll... Um, they'll carry on that tangent. But I think they obviously have always been fiercely protective of their annuity revenue, which is you know, why a Oracle perpetual license apparently isn't a perpetual license and uh, you, know, you can't cancel your support. The Rimini Street judgment, 
and things like that. I think they know the writings on the wall in respect of that. I think they know that people are getting more more aggressive and, and impertinent, if you like, in, in challenging whether Oracle can really do that. And to a degree, we're already seeing it with some of our audit settlements and conversations we're having where clients are cancelling support. Oracle's trying to say they can't carry on using the licenses, but they're now getting into a standoff with Oracle, which there's not much Oracle can do about. So, so I think they sort of broadly understand those days are numbered, um, but I still think that, that they'll continue to be pretty aggressive around that for some time, yeah. Yeah, and I also agree with what's been said. I think this is just, uh, Larry stepping out is just a formal change because um, to continue with, you'll still have Safra Katz, who's the, um, the CFO right now, on top of um, finance and legal functions, and then you'll have Mark Hurd on top of um, sales and uh, marketing and strategy. And these two have been working along for quite some while now. Uh, the, the only change is that they won't be reporting uh, directly to, to Larry, but they will be reporting to the Oracle board from now on. And to continue, Larry will still be deeply involved. He will be on top of software and hardware engineering functions, and I believe this is and has been the drive and it will be the drive for the future. So it's just a formal formal change. And yes, in, in terms of cloud computing, nobody, I think nobody knows, I've been trying to get that knowledge, nobody knows where that's heading, but everybody agrees it will make things even more complicated. The, the other major, um, as, as it has been said, that uh, the hardware is one of the of the main uh, engineer systems uh, are, are one of the main focus of Oracle today, and um, it's interesting to see how, in terms of licenses, uh, they are quite in some in some in some out they are eating their own market because it's also sometimes a good consolidation platform. Uh, we've seen in the market that some uh, exadata has been sold after. Uh, LMS audits too, so it means that uh, it's been pushed by this uh, compliance activity, uh, but it's also been bought by customers who wanted to reduce their, their licenses. And um, so I, I mean, I, one of the main problems for Oracle in the next few years, and that's what they started to do, is that they are trying to, uh, to eat their own market licenses, uh, perpetual licenses, moving to the cloud, perpetual licenses, moving to uh, engineering systems, hardware, uh, being also in Oracle if possible. Uh, otherwise, other people in the market will uh, take this market like Amazon does in the cloud, like uh, other engineering uh, systems can do, like VMware is trying to, to, to push into the market in order to put uh, uh, Oracle uh, uh, in, in their in their own engineer systems, so this is this is very interesting to see this 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 move and how the, this is changing in the market today. I think you had a comment, Donny. Yeah, I just want to know if it was okay to uh, share with the the audience a book that I just uh, recently helped to author called Virtualizing Oracle Business Critical Databases. It's uh, available on Amazon. 
and it goes into a couple of things that we talked about today. It gives a really good overview of Oracle licensing, and then it goes into uh, database licensing optimization uh, using virtualization. So I just wanted to, to share that with the audience. Cool. I'll put the link to that Amazon book in uh, the show notes. Thank you. So thank you, everyone, for your time today. To wrap up, I'd just like to provide a quick overview of the sessions that we have planned for the seminar on the 21st of November. First of all, we have our premier sponsor, ITAMS, who will be covering common Oracle licensing contracts and the gray areas of licensing risk. And this comes from Monica and Madalena at ITAMS, who interestingly uh, were former uh, Oracle licensing team members. So very much look forward to that session. We then have two sessions from the gentleman that kindly helped us with the previous Oracle licensing podcast, which was very popular. Uh, first one comes from uh, Pierce McDonald from Short Datum. Um, Pierce will be covering the Oracle ULA and top tips for maximizing returns, uh, return on investment and avoiding those hidden costs. And the next session uh, is from Richard Spithoven from Belay, who also contributed to the podcast. And he was he's going to cover what to expect during an Oracle license audit and how to prepare yourself. And finally, in the morning sessions, we have um, Kathy and Kamal from Deutsche Post DHL. And they're looking at how they have addressed licensing um, license management at DHL. And their session is called Taking the Bite Out of Software Licensing Terms. So that's the morning sessions. And then in the afternoon, we take a slightly different approach. And we, we're offering three interactive workshops so that you can actually uh, share and discuss some of your key issues with your peers. And that we, we've got three broad themes for those workshops. And you can each attend each one of these in turn. Uh, the first one is Practical Strategies. The second one is how to build an Oracle audit defense strategy. And the third one is an interactive workshop with the DHL team. So you can ask them specific questions in relation to your issues. Um, it's very much a confidential uh, forum. So it's Chatham House rules apply, which basically means that anything discussed in the room won't be taken outside the room. Um, and what we'll do in a, in a, in a confidential and a anonymous fashion is to collate the key talking points and the key issues that we discover as, as a result of those workshops and actually feed them into our work with the campaign clear licensing, which aims to um, build a positive and proactive dialogue with Oracle to help them improve their licensing and license programs. So to learn more and to register and uh, attend this uh, free event, look at the ITAM review, go to itassetmanagement.net, or if you just Google ITAM review Oracle seminar, you should uh, you should find the link. Um, this is a free event, so thank you very much for our sponsors for helping us provide this free event. Uh, as mentioned, ITAMS are the premier sponsor. Uh, we also have Easy Trust, Aspera, Iquate, and Livingston as sponsors. So thank you very much for those companies for supporting us. That's all for now. Until next time, thanks for listening.